Why did the Raptors trade for Kawhi Leonard? Does this trade make them considerably better? Yes. How will Toronto stack up with the rest of the East? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. Today, we have an emergency podcast, although it's the next day, so it's not so emergency, but I wanted to talk about the Kawhi Leonard trade to the Toronto Raptors, and no one better to bring in the show than Doug Smith, who works and writes for the Toronto Star as a beat writer for the Raptors for their their entire existence, apparently. Is that right, Doug? Yeah, so I'm one of the world's foremost experts on bad basketball. <laughs> well, okay, uh, fair enough. Now, you, luckily for you, it hasn't been bad basketball for the last I don't know how, how many years now. Is it four or five? Five, five or six. They've been they've been they've been pretty good the last four or five years. All right, forgive me, five or six. Yes, and so um, you know, and again, toiling in somewhat of obscurity just because of your north of the border of the U.S. But um, certainly, a lot of things have been going on uh, in in Raptor land, and let's let's go in order of interest at this point right now. The Kawhi Leonard trade. Did you have any inkling of this trade before? Let's see, it went down on Tuesday. Did it, did you know about it like weeks before, or was this a real quick uh, thing that that happened? Well, no, we've known for a couple of couple or three weeks that they've been that they were in it, you know. But so was Philly, so was Boston, and so we thought were the Lakers. So, you know, the Raptors had a package that was attractive. Uh, I don't know that a lot of people thought Boston or Philly, if they were going to trade them east, probably could do more attractive pieces. But for the price they got, the Raptors were always going to be able to offer an All Star player, young players, and a pick, and you know. For all they gave up, I think the Raptors really did a pretty darn good job. I agree. In fact, I mean, people have been going back and forth on Twitter, certainly, about who won the trade. And I think there's a lot of things to unpack here. So let's start out first. Now, the, the, the pick that they were able to trade to the Spurs is so heavily protected. That was probably the most surprising thing to me, that the, that the Spurs wouldn't have gotten anything better than that for a first-round pick that, that will then turn into a two seconds. Yeah, you know, if it's a first-round pick next year, it's going to be in the 23 to 27 range, which is, that's a four-year contract obligation more than anything else, I think. Mm-hmm. I think what the Raptors were quite happy with, they stayed away from that 2021 year where you're going to have the, you could have the double cohort. You could have the 18-year-olds and the college kids. And they were, they were able to save that, that pick for that year with, without any problem. And I think that was a huge part of this, that, the pick they gave up, yeah, first-round picks have absolute value, no question about it in this day and age. But a mid-20s, mid-20s pick or two seconds, now that's basically that's, chump change. Right. And by the way, as I'm thinking about it now, most likely it will convey as a first-round pick in the, in the 20s, right? They, I, suppose, if, if Kawhi Leonard is healthy, they should be – that pick should be pretty low as it is anyway, right? Yeah, you, you know – even if Kawhi Leonard plays 60 games, this is probably still in the East a 50-win team. Right. So yeah, we're, so that's... we're still talking. We're still talking a team that's got nine really good players. So yeah, that pick is going to be middle of the 20s for sure. Now, um, look, what's coming back to you is in, uh, some interesting pieces as well. So what's 
What's I mean, as far as, um, you know, Danny Green being involved. So, like, how does that look? Yeah, let's go into a little bit deeper as far as what the the Raptors are going to look like and how they're going to end up, uh, you know, competing against. Obviously, the Celtics should be the favorites. So do you think that they're going to still be up there in the mix or or are they going to have to struggle a little bit? Oh, I think they'll be absolutely in the mix. I think you could. They have a new coach with Nick Nurse, and they have maybe some new philosophical bents to them. But if you could start a fivesome of Kyle Lowry, Danny Green, Kawhi Leonard, OG Ananobi, and Jonas Valanciunas, you've got those two, three, four guys who are entirely switchable. They all can guard everybody at those three spots. And in this, as you know, Nick, in this man's NBA, that's invaluable. And and I, you know, that that makes them. Makes them small at the four, but big through two, three, four, and experienced. And, and darn, like Kawhi Leonard, outside of Giannis, maybe could be today the best player in the Eastern Conference if he's yeah. healthy. And that's not a bad thing to have. Uh, yeah, I agree. So I guess that's the real question here: is um, is he healthy? Is he going to? Uh, are the physicals been done yet? Do you know? No, they, as far as I know, as we speak this afternoon on Thursday afternoon, they have not. But, I, you know, obviously, the Raptor doctors, and this is something I've known for a quarter of a century, are very careful. This is a group that, that is very, very cautious about who they clear. And regardless of what back channels they had to use, they would have had some intel before they did this. I have no question that he'll pass the physical and that he will pass it to a medical staff that's very discerning. And if, if he's ready to go... It makes this team very, very intriguing, I think, at the Eastern Conference. Right. Now, the other question then is, and I agree, and the other thing is they didn't have to give up um, any of their young, promising players. Like, they were able to keep Siakam and, and even Fred Van Vliet, who I would have thought the Spurs would have coveted. Um, and by the way, is Fred Van Vliet as valued in Toronto as he is in my brain and how much I love the way he plays? <laughs> oh, for two years, Dwayne Casey, who uh, I who's – Basketball knowledge I admire more than a lot of people I've ever spoken to in the NBA has told me for two years that he sees Fred Van Vliet as the next Kyle Lowry. Little bulldogish kind of player, undersized but tough, just a tough kid. And nothing we saw last year when Fred played. Fred closed every close game when he was healthy, playing alongside Lowry and DeRozan. And this was a team that won 59 games. It was pretty darn good. I think Fred Van, uh, Fred Van Vliet is probably an NBA starter. And I think getting him for a two-year deal, which could lead to a seamless transition when his contract and Kyle Lowry's contract are up, I think they see great things ahead for him. That's interesting, yeah. And, I, and let, me, let me think. I'm trying to picture in my head. Uh, Van Vliet is probably the same size as Lowry. Cause Lowry actually, to me, I, when I stand next, stood next to him, I was surprised that he wasn't – I don't know what they list him at, but he's not, like, he's not tall. <laughs> so is Van no, Vliet – is Van Vliet taller than Lowry? He might be an he might be an inch shorter, awful close. But Nick, you know they, they all lie. Right, there are six seven guys who are six five except for hair. <laughs> so it's all about it's all about just what they right. want to write down in the, on a on a bio sheet. By but the no, way, I, I stood next to Jalen Brown at, at summer league, and I was surprised at how, sh- how how much shorter he was than what I thought he was. The hair must, you know, they must give him a couple inches for the hair. But um, exactly. I'm kind of I'm kind of curious when I'm looking up Van Vliet right now uh, on the thing what they what they say. Uh, anyway, I'll look it up. But um, so here's the thing: uh, they're losing Pirtle. 
who I really liked yeah. as well. A really active big man off the bench who I would assume will continue to uh, to improve. And uh, by the way, probably another one of those like textbook Spurs kind of players. So what happens there with the Raptors? How do they cover uh, that big man off the bench? That's going to be interesting to see because, you know, they could play Siakam there, I suppose, as a backup five. I think Ibaka at, at this point in his career – is probably a better interior defender than he is on the perimeter as a four. Could you sit there? I wouldn't discount, you know, this is pipe dreams because we love the kid. I wouldn't discount the idea that they might look at Lucas Nogueira, bringing him back, who is that kind of geeky, long, crazy, athletic big man who is an unrestricted free agent because they, they rescinded a qualifying offer, but he's an intriguing piece to go behind Valanciunas. Now the hurdle is gone. They, they, they a lot of NBA teams, as you know, Nick, aren't doing, aren't using the the, the, the three big man roster as a coach like they used to. They sure. got you know, two two centers and then a bunch of guys who are four or five. Yeah, I, I could see, I could see them making a move, perhaps to see if they can get Nogueira back as that second, third big man. You know that that actually sounds very reasonable. I don't know if there's a huge market for Nogueira either way. So yeah, I mean, again, if he can continue to improve then they'll have something. And I like the idea of Siakam playing center. Um, and if he can improve any amount of his shooting, uh, then then that would yeah. really open the floor for them. And so we'll have to see this summer how he progresses on that end. But you never know. Those Sometimes guys come in, right, and they just they, – they, they've been – I think that's the other thing is the one thing that we can kind of count on, it seems, across the macro sense of analytics is that, uh, you know, shooting does tend to improve uh, the longer they stay in the league. So that would be really cool. Uh, do me do me some homework for me because I'm in the middle of doing a video on Kawhi in in uh, in Toronto, and um, I, what I'm looking at I think is is how they suffered with um, DeRozan in the playoffs in the uh, offensively, and how how maybe Kawhi would would should fix most of those things. So what's your how how does your mind's eye picture that happening and and obviously how that will make them better when they actually need it in the playoffs? I'm I'm a, I'm a I'm going to say this right off the top. I'm a huge DeMar DeRozan fan. I think his game is – defensively, it has flaws, no question about it, but I'm a huge fan of his all-around basketball abilities. I think Kawhi beats him in a bunch of different levels. I think Kawhi might be a better two-dribble pull-up shooter than, than DeMar was from three-point range. I think Kawhi is a better, more versatile defender by far. Mm-hmm. And I, I also think that Kawhi has um, – sort of a sneaky, athletic kind of way to find space. Tomorrow, I think you knew where he was going to go. I think Kawhi doesn't – you don't know where he's going to go, and he always finds the right space to go to. And I think he elevates the offensive IQ of this team a little bit. That's a great way to put it because – I feel like, yeah, DeRozan would get to a spot like in the mid-range when he'd pull up. Even last year he would do it where it would be a tough shot and he would be able to nail it. Um, and But I think with, you're right. With, with Kawhi, the way he attacks on the catch, it's a lot harder to gauge and defend whether he's going to pull up or he's going to drive and shoot it or pull up or get all the way to the basket. So, uh, I mean, yeah, obviously on the, on the defensive end, there's like it, it seems to be a huge uh, impact. Now, would you, being a DeRozan fan, uh, you know, how much weight do you want to place on his play, um, you know, kind of affecting why they didn't get farther in the playoffs? I, you know what, I, I think that he, he might – DeMar was probably hampered a little bit by the roster he was on because they were defendable. They, they were predictable offensively, 
in a seven-game series when you can lock in and you have a day off between games to study film and teach with video where, where a guy might go, they were very defendable. They were kind of predictable. And they took things away from him that were there the entire regular season because regular season is what it is. And you might be tired. You might have no video time and no shoot-around, no work. In a playoffs, you don't have that ability. And, and I think with a more diverse team or unpredictable team, He'd probably be a little bit better. Um, it, it, is, is Kawhi that, you know, with Kawhi Leonard, does this team, do they win 62 games or and be first in the East or win 59 and be first in the East? And the big specter of LeBron is no longer in the Eastern Conference. So that's a big thing. It, these guys last year, in the last two years, I think, were as good as Boston and better than Philly. Now they're probably – yeah, Boston might with with, with uh, getting Hayward back and getting Kyrie back. Boston pretty is very, pretty much the favorite, but the Raptors are better than Philadelphia, I think. Wow, those are some bold words, Doug. And so are two more words I have for you: Zip Recruiter. Perhaps the Sixers could use some help finding suitable candidates to upgrade their roster. Well, this is where ZipRecruiter comes in, and they can help solve all of your hiring problems by visiting ZipRecruiter.com slash breakdown. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. With results like that, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in America. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com breakdown. That's ZipRecruiter.com breakdown. Z-I-P-R-E-C-R-U-I-T-E-R dot com slash B-R-E-A-K-D-O-W-N. So what are you waiting for? Check them out. Listen, Kawhi, I think the problem with Kawhi is because he barely played it all for a whole year, we've forgotten, right, how good he is and how, he, get, how good he can right. be. You know, people, I think people forget two years ago, he would have probably one of the, more, one of the better offensive efficiency seasons ever. Yeah, and if he's back to that, if he's back to that, wow! Right, and he's probably the best perimeter defender of this era. Absolutely, <laughs> so yeah. it's like yeah, absolutely, yeah. It just it, you know, his hands were as big as a tree. Like just by that, like his reach, his length, the stuff that his ability to deflect things, disrupt right. things. Well, he, do you have by far? Yeah, go ahead. The Raptors long, a long, long time ago employed Doug Christie, who to me was the best defender in the Raptors franchise history. Kawhi Leonard is exponentially better than Doug Christie. That okay, I, that is true as well. I mean, I think by the time he got to Doug Christie, we he might have even been better before he got there. But um, either way, oh yeah, what, you know. So so this is interesting because uh, again, um, we just don't know about Kawhi. Do you have any insider information uh, about him and how he's progressing, or, or maybe not insider? Hey, feel free to break some news on the podcast. But um, you know, what do we know at this point about about Kawhi and whether or not he's ready to play? They, yeah, I know that they spent most of Tuesday and Wednesday talking to Kawhi, uh, his uncle, the people around him, and there is a, a level of comfort there that a lot of people don't ex- don't know exists. 
Kawhi's okay coming here. Yet Kawhi, obviously, Nick, you know him. Like everybody knows him. He's a quiet kid. You don't know what he's thinking because he never tells you, and he's <laughs> never going to tell you. But I think in a private conversation, I'm being told by people who, who in the York Raptor organization who've spoken to him and his people that he's okay. This isn't – it's obviously not the number one landing spot because there's a lot of issues with coming to a new country to a new franchise, to a new conference, to a new team where you don't know anybody. But he's he's far more warming to the idea in the last 24 hours than he was 48 hours ago. Okay, that's good. But again, then we have to sort of picture what happens yeah. at the end of the year when his, oh, his contract is up. Um, you know, let's just say they get to the – I mean, is there a, a level or a round that they'd have to get to to make sure that he will stay? Or is there simply – or oh, I, is he leaving either way? I think they – I'm not entirely convinced he's leaving every way. I would say it's 80% right now. But I think if they if they play into the Eastern Conference Finals and are, con, are contenders in that, in that series, it might make it easier for a guy like Kawhi to think, okay – I'm going to take one of these newfangled one-in-one deals that everybody's taken. All the best players are taken out. And there's more money coming in 2020 than there is in 2019. So maybe I wait. Maybe I give him another year and see where we go. And then I, you know, he does the LeBron, the, the AD, the, the, the one-in-one deal. And you maximize your earnings that way. Now, I don't know if that's possible. And, you know, if they win two games and flame out in the second round, we'll see you later. But I, I think that's in the back of their mind here. And Mazai Ujiri is fully confident in his ability to sell. To sell culture, to sell success, to sell the city, to sell the Eastern Conference. And whether that works for a guy like Kawhi, who no one knows what drives him. And I think that's the big question. I don't think people know exactly what it is that makes Kawhi energized. And they got to find that out. And they think they can. I don't know whether they can, but they got a year to figure it out. Well, they, they keep talking about L.A. and how he's from there and always wanted to play there. But then the rumors came out. And I'm actually, at this point, I'm just going to believe every rumor I ever hear about anything again. <laughs> Particularly, you know, they, they said that Pop was not going to trade him to the Western Conference. And everyone's like, well, that can't possibly be. Why would they limit themselves? But you know what? That's what happened, right? So it almost feels like anything yep. you hear, I believe. So here's an interesting thing. And I'll, this is a little bit off of the topic, but... We had Paul George not even take a meeting with the Lakers and re-sign with OKC. We, I think we heard that Kawhi wasn't so interested in going to the Lakers with LeBron there. I mean, does this mean something about LeBron, that he is not a magnet anymore? I think it's hard to be LeBron's teammate. I think it's impossible to be LeBron's coach. And I think that that's got to factor into some, in some people's decisions. You know, Kyrie Irving is a pretty... He's a little. He's an odd duck, but he got out when he got out when he could, and forced his way out. And you know, I don't, I don't know whether the, I suppose the Laker mystique still exists, although they've been horse crap for half a decade. Mm-hmm. And but maybe it comes back with LeBron there. But you know, I've also read, and I'm like you, I believe everything I read because it's on the internet, so it must be true. <laughs> Absolutely. That that. Uh, you know, Kawhi wants to be the number one guy, and maybe not playing with LeBron doesn't give him that opportunity. Well, hell, Kawhi would have been the number one guy in San Antonio. Yeah. Undisputed number one guy. He's not going to be second fiddle to LaMarcus Aldridge or Pau Gasol or John T. Murray. Yeah. So, who, knows what, who knows what really drives him? And right. 
maybe maybe the Lakers mystique does. Maybe he doesn't want to be with the Clippers because they're the anti-Lakers in, in, in L.A., his hometown. But I think at the end of next year, there's going to be – I think thought will creep into people's minds about, okay, maybe, you know what, for a couple of years, this might be a good spot. I agree. and In fact, it's weird to me as we wrap up that, you know, Kawhi might have some rehabbing to do with his image. It sounds like people were a little bit upset with the way he played it out. And uh, it, to me, it's a little bit strange only because, you know, the guy was hurt. They had some trouble, you know, with the medical staff figuring out what it was and, what, and how it should be treated. But, um, you know, that's that to me, that's all. We never really heard Kawhi even say much at all publicly anyway. So, right, isn't it a little strange to you that he's, like, at least on the Twitter side, it does seem like people are angry with him. Oh, absolutely. I think his, his, his image has taken a beating in the last 12, 12 months. And, and I think there's some rehabilitation to do there. Whether he has the personality to do that, I don't know. But I think his play on the court mm-hmm. is vital this year. I heard a lot of people yesterday, oh, he doesn't want to go to Toronto. He's not going to report. He's going to loaf when he gets there. Hey, if he wants $150 million next year from somebody, he's got to play. He's got to play hard. He's got to become the 2016 Kawhi Leonard instead of the 2018 Kawhi Leonard. And, and I think anybody around him or around the game knows this. And they're going to be really interesting to see what kind of player he is having played nine games in a, in a season. Well, I know I can't wait. And you're right. It's like uh, this is irrational exuberance time. And as I'm picking, uh, as I'm picturing yeah. him out there with all those young guys and, and a new coach, which, you know, really briefly you want to mention that, like he, he ran the offense last year. Is that, is that safe to say? Yeah. Yep, it, he did, and, and Rex claiming to the defense, but Nick was the offensive guy. You know, and they shot more threes. Hell, they made Jonas Valanciunas into a three-point threat. So there's yeah. some coaching ability there and schematic ideas that can free up guys to do stuff that makes everybody go, holy crap, I didn't know we could do that. So that might be fun this year. Yeah, and so and it's interesting because, you know, normally they'll clean house and they'll kind of change the whole coaching staff, but instead they're keeping most of it, which, you know, who knows what that says about Dwayne Casey, but we can save that for another discussion. Um, but either way, um, I, I'm anxious to see how that works because you're right, like there's new energy, there's, but it's, there's, a, uh, there's a nice, uh, it's not starting over from scratch, the whole new coaching staff. So uh, you're right, I, I'm, I'm anxious to see this, and I do feel like they would definitely be able to compete without question with Boston, who is still an unknown entity with those guys, and they haven't had a, a season to to uh, to get seasoned together, so we'll have to wait and see. But Doug, I can't thank you enough for joining us, and uh, let's keep in touch and, and keep our fingers on the pulse of what's happening over in the Raptors. Anytime, Nick. Uh, it's been my honor and pleasure. We will talk to you soon, and don't forget, sports fans, at B Ball Breakdown, we're not a channel, we're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Doug? I'm in, absolutely.